Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Drs. Eddie and Jared Bumpers to the podcast. Eddie serves as senior pastor at Crossway Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. He has served in this role since 2000. Jared, his son, serves here at Midwestern Seminary as assistant professor of preaching and evangelism and also directs the FTC cohorts at Midwestern Seminary. Additionally, he's associate pastor at Fellowship KC, the local church here in Kansas City, and also my co-host of Preaching and Preachers. Guys, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen, for having me. It's a joy to be here today and also to be with my son. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, look, we've had a, a great chapel together. Thank you for your sermon, uh, Dr. Bumper Sr., and uh, lunch together. Now we're in the studio. We'll be talking today just about father and son in the ministry. And uh, you guys are certainly an appropriate grouping to have this conversation with. And so this is going to be a sweet conversation, and I trust it'll be one that's encouraging and hope-filled for our listeners as well. Before we get into that, uh, give us an update on, on life and ministry. What's new with you, Eddie, and then a word uh, for you, Jared, as well. Yeah, I'm in my uh, 22nd year at Crossway. I'll be there 23 years in December. It's been a great journey. Uh, the church is healthy. I've come through the COVID experience, and really our numbers are back up, and our folks are serving and winning people to Christ and baptizing people every week, and it's just a sweet season at Crossway. I'm serving here at Midwestern. I've been here almost five years. This summer will be five years, and served as Director of Student Life and Events for for a while, was teaching and have recently moved into a full-time teaching role and leading the cohorts. We announced a, a launch recently, and so we're excited about uh, launching those cohorts, residential education here, involvement in a local church. It's a great way to do ministry and to do education. I'm excited to serve in that role. Absolutely, and I'm excited that you are in those roles. We're talking today again about father and son of the ministry. So let's go back. Uh, go back to your childhood, Jared, and give us a sense of what it was like, perhaps— pre-ministry for you, clearly pre-ministry, perhaps even pre-conversion. What did it like to be a little boy in the Eddie Bumpers household? Man, it, it was great. I enjoyed being in the local church. My dad, my grandfather's a pastor. My, my dad's a pastor. And so I grew up in church. It was natural for, for me to have friendships in church and to, to sing in church, pay attention. He, he made sure I was locked into the sermon. Uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got plenty of uh, discipline opportunities growing up in church and not always behaving the way that I should. But Church was always a joyful place. We were faithful to attend. And uh, yeah, I was, I was thankful. I often say that one of the most formative things for me as a child was having a dad uh, who was a pastor, but who loved Jesus, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday. He loved and followed Jesus, read his Bible, prayed, led us well. And so uh, of all the things that I appreciate about my dad, it said he's a godly man. And I saw that very early on as a child. And you became a believer roughly what age? So I made a profession of faith when I was younger, but I wasn't converted until college. And so I had the head knowledge, heard the gospel over and over again. But uh, God really used marriage early on in marriage just to reveal selfishness and pride. And so I was converted in college. And you're called to ministry when? So I have a kind of a unique story here. I thought I was called to ministry pre-conversion. I actually served as an interim pastor and was not a believer, knew, knew the gospel, was preaching the Bible, but didn't know Christ and was converted uh, a couple months after stepping out of that interim and then felt a lot of shame and guilt. I've been, I preached for a while, was at this church and didn't know Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I was a senior in college. I'm going to finish college and I'll figure out what's next. And an older, older retired minister in the church pulled me aside and said, hey, I, I know that this is unusual and odd, but I, I knew a pastor who was converted after he became a pastor. And so I'm not saying you're called to ministry, but I'm also not saying you're not just pray about it. And so I prayed for about three months and felt like the Lord was 
leading me back into ministry, prayed for another three months because I didn't want to go back into ministry, and then ultimately surrendered to that call. And so after uh, college, several months after that, I ended up going on staff and serving with my dad. So to your dad, now Crossway Baptist Church in Springfield, one of the leading churches in the state, and uh, just a great gospel witness you have there. As you said, you're in your 23rd year, and you guys still have church on Sunday night. Uh, You have vibrant ministries on Wednesday night, and you're preaching several times on Sunday morning. So if you were having Sunday night church now and Sunday morning church, obviously now on Wednesday night, I'm assuming you were having all of those and more when Jared was a kid. Is that right? That's correct. When Jared was just a little guy, I was a youth pastor when he was born in 84, and I was a youth pastor. And so he got the opportunity to be in the youth group and by pass around by all the girls in youth group and, of course, all the activities and playing basketball, running around, all that stuff, and all the activities of the church. And we had the Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday during those days. And then when I took my first church in North Mississippi, I pastored a county line Baptist church about an hour from Memphis. And uh, it was during those days, it was, I stayed in a pastorium. We lived in a pastorium right across the yard from the church. So I'd come home for lunch, had a big yard, four-wheeler, basketball goal out there, volleyball goal out there. So the difficulty with living in a pastorium, every time I was out in the yard playing with the kids, people would stop by and say, well, you're not doing anything. We're going to stop by and visit with you. I'm like, Finally, I told the church, I said, when you see me out there playing with my kids, I am doing something. I'm being a father playing with my kids. Give me a break. Give me some space. And they did. And so we had great times at Country Church. I learned about pastoring from those folks and just shaped my ministry. And uh, during those days, Jared was just a little guy. He'd get up at different camp meetings and stuff, and he'd preach sermons and things like that. Please don't bring up my first sermon. We need some uh, recordings. Do not bring up my first sermon. (laughs) Yeah, I'll let you tell about the first sermon. Anyway, so, yeah, he just had that little desire in his heart to preach. He'd dress up, wear a suit and tie, and he he just had that. I didn't really encourage that. I didn't discourage it, but he just... He was around the preachers that came through our church, evangelists and missionaries and that kind of thing. And this just shaped his little heart that direction. But as he said, he didn't get saved. He was in college. He got saved in our driveway, Mm -hmm. sitting in a truck with me. So, Jared, as you're a boy in the Eddie Bumper's home, what are you picking up at the age of 8, 10, 12, 14? And I don't mean like skills for ministry. I just mean what are you perceiving as far as, you know, your, your parents, especially your father's love for God's people, honoring God's word? Like what are you detecting in this household? Yeah, I think, you know, his his love for my mom is one of the things as a boy that was, you know, really formative as a teenager, you know, I'm walking in the kitchen and he's kissing my mom I'm like, y'all are gross. Get out of, you know, get out of here. But he did love my mom, was faithful to my mom. That, that was huge. Reading his Bible, praying for us, uh, that that was huge. Having fun, you know, just enjoying life. My dad has a great sense of humor. You listen to him preach, he incorporates humor in his preaching and just had a lot of fun being around him uh, as a dad, making jokes, enjoying life together. And so the, the the family dynamic was really, really sweet and did not feel like he was sacrificing his family for ministry, was very involved, ran hard, uh, but also spent time with us, had fun, would play catch in the front yard, play basketball. Uh, we, we had a little Tykes goal, six-foot goal. We'd play horse before bed, get down on our knees, trick shots off the wall, uh, me, him, and, and my little brother. And so I have a lot of sweet memories as a as a boy of growing up in a pastor's home around ministry, but not so consumed with ministry that we couldn't be a family, laugh, have fun, and be together. And so the church itself and its gatherings, did it feel like your dad was going to work or like, hey, together we're going to get to go be with God's people? I mean, what what was the vibe? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I don't know that I've thought about that before, but but reflecting on it, I don't ever remember thinking dad's going to work. I remember thinking we're going to worship with God's people. We're going to hear the word preached. We're going to sing some songs together. I'm going to see my friends who love Jesus too. 
And so it never seemed, seemed like work to me. And as Jared is a, a boy again, 8, 10, 12, 14, are you intentionally thinking of experiences, of moments, uh, of, of words that you want him to to be around and to not be around? In other words, do you leave the kids home for business meeting or are they just there and they're just loving God's people as you are? How are you stewarding that? Yeah, Tess was very involved and still is in our ministry. She's always been just right by my side. So obviously the kids came along. So they tagged along to everything we did, whether it was a senior adult banquet, we try to find ways to serve the senior adults, taking food around or you know, just picking up and cleaning up. So any activity we had, they were pretty much with us, but they would run outside and play. It was a country church, so they'd benefit to go outside and play basketball while come back in. Didn't have to be too concerned about their safety. They were close at hand. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that they were involved in every single thing that we did at the church. Yeah, I remember a, a spiritually formative conversation when I was, I think, in eighth grade, and he, somebody in the church had passed away. He was preaching the funeral the next day. The visitation was that night. And so he, he just said, hey, you want to you go with me to the— to this visitation. So I rode with him. He bought me an ice cream, seventh, eighth grade. It was, it was a great night. Went and talked to the family, was there with him. And so, uh, yeah, he, that was just a normal rhythm and part of life. And even on the way to ministry and back from ministry, it was, it was time with my dad and having uh, significant conversations. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I go preach a revival. I remember one time preaching a revival when school was out or something and Probably took you with him. I know it took Jordan one time and he just spent the whole week with me in the motel, man. We'd buy chips and popcorn at night and <laughs> munch out at nighttime, watch TV, and get up the next day and do ministry, and I would preach. And, and we just made it a fun time. They loved that. They probably don't remember a thing I preached, but they remember hanging out with Dad hmm. and that it was, you know, an important time for us to build relationships. Yeah, and uh, again, very often, you know, your affection for God's people, your love for the Word of God, your, your joy in ministry trickles down to, uh, to your children. If they perceive you love God's people, you love ministry, there's joy in ministry, uh, they often reflect that themselves. And the converse is often true. If it's a minister that's bitter towards God's people, is aggrieved, feels like he's got the short end of the stick in ministry, and, and if that's being exuded in the home, often children then become adults who are disenchanted with God's people. Correct. Yeah, you know, we often tell our church people, don't have the preacher for dinner, you know, after service, don't uh, talk negative about the church or church leaders. I think it goes the same way with the pastor when it comes to deacons or hard people to handle, high-maintenance kind of people. And you have to deal with that in ministry, but I don't think you have to take it to the table or that the kids have to hear you talking negative about the church, not taking care of you, whatever the issues are in the church. I think there's some things you should purposely shelter your children from and try to celebrate the good things that they might, as you say, pick up on the positivity of, the, of God's local church and the people. Karen and I, as God began to give us children, just determine, you know, we don't want to speak critically of God's people from our kids. And, and look, we love God's people then. We love God's people now. Praise God, we haven't found ourselves in ministry context over the years. We're a lot of difficult people. So we weren't like bottling up a lot of frustration, right. you know, that was within us. But we have been intentional. Uh, even the throwaway sarcasm lines that you may mean innocently, but that, that can color your children's assessment of God's people. And I think intentionality there goes a long way. Yeah, some of the, my favorite people in all the world are the members of the church that I serve. And I mean, I love to go hunting with them or turkey hunting. Took, took Jared even recently, you know, a couple of years ago. I always try to take him hunting with a deacon or with church people. They can see that they're real outside the church, you know, that they're real Christian people. And so building relationships, my dad did this for me. I mean, some of my favorite people were his deacons that poured in my life and, you know, gave money to me and took care of me and helped me get my first truck and 
took me hunting and those kind of things. So I learned the benefit of the family of God and the support of God's people. I told you the same thing for Jared and Bethany. And so some of those people will be lifelong friends for Jared that are my friends. And so introducing him to those kind of people, I think, helps shape his life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even the the person we went turkey hunting with recently had a major accident uh, on my left hand uh, in the early 2010s. And he was one of the first people to check on me, took me to lunch just to make sure that I was doing okay. And so some really sweet friendships through ministry uh, and, and people that, that serve alongside you. So I want to fast forward now to a season in, in Jared in your life in ministry. And that season is when you served on staff with your dad. So frame that up for us first as far as like from when to when, both by way of uh, chronologically and life of the church and, and, and your own life. And then kind of give us a sense as to what you did. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I graduated from from college in 2007 and had an opportunity to serve at a staff in, in a, another church in Southwest Missouri and w- was offered a job there, associate pastor, preaching on Sunday nights, growing church. And I was really, really uh, praying about and planning on taking that church. And my dad called me. He was in uh, Israel on a trip with some pastor friends. And I knew that they were looking to hire a student pastor. And he said, hey, I, I want you to pray about I'll let you share your side of this story, but I want you to pray about staying in and serving at the time. It was Broadway Baptist Church on Broadway Avenue. And so I got off the phone, told my wife, and uh, at the time she she started crying. All of our friends had graduated college and they were all going and doing something somewhere else. So she wanted the adventure to go away and do something uh, something else. And so she was a little upset, but we spent several weeks praying about it. And the Lord really made it clear that we were supposed to be at uh, Broadway. And so I served as student pastor from 2007 to 2016. And then from 16 to 18, I served as associate pastor of preaching and uh, served on the, on the leadership team with him, did some of the preaching and some Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, kind of a rotation there. And so served two years in that capacity and then uh, finished up my doctoral work at Southern and was kind of praying about what was next. And uh, obviously had a conversation with uh, some leaders here at Midwestern and the Lord opened up a door for me to serve here and have been here almost five years. And it's been a, a wonderful experience. And so before I let your dad comment from his perspective, uh, clearly there's a, there's a foundation of relational health between the two of you that, that even there, there's a plausibility structure to this conversation, Me, meaning if there's brokenness, fractured relationship, you know, you're not even going to consider that. And, and probably not your, your dad either on the, on the inviting end as well. But there's a foundation of health and warmth, a belief in you, your calling, your abilities, that it's a natural thing to have that conversation. So, so Dr. Bumper Sr., give us a sense as to like what was going through your mind then when you made that phone call. When I took uh, Broadway Church in 2000, there was probably running about 150 people in the church. And so we were not at the place. I was the only staff guy. I mean, just me. He was it. Uh, And uh, so as the church began to grow, the first person I hired was a music minister. And the church can, of course, continue to grow through that. And that we begin to pick up young people and young families. So I'm thinking, I need a student pastor. And so I began to look for student pastor because the first thought in my mind was, well, you know, I don't know if the church would accept my son. And so I kind of just, that was the first thought that came. So I set that aside. So I just need to look for a student pastor that would fit our culture, Bible-centered, you know, not just having pizza and showing videos, but actually could open the Word and teach and preach the Bible to our students and have a biblically grounded ministry. Have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Do activities, those kind of things. But someone who can handle the Word and disciple those students. So I began to look. And I'm not saying it's not possible to find that person. But for me at that season, man, I was just having a hard time finding anyone. So I was talking to a preacher friend of mine. And uh, of course, he knew Jared and loved Jared and heard Jared preach at different student camps and that kind of thing. Jared was already preaching uh, preaching well. 
and um, discipling students already. You know, that was just kind of, he had that, that attractiveness where students were attracted to him. So he said, what about your son? I'm like, well, he's my son. And so he asked me this. He said, if he wasn't your son, would you hire him? I'm like, well, yeah. He said, well, just because he is your son doesn't mean you shouldn't hire him. And so that was a catalyst for me, turning point for me. I'm like, well, I would hire him if he was not my son because he's got the skill set and he's got the, you know, the chemistry. He's attractive. He's young. He preaches the word. So that's when I began the conversation with him. I did consider, you know, will our church receive this? But our church already loved him. And they saw my love for him and our family and our relationship. So I spoke to my deacons and began to speak to some key leaders, which I try to do, making decisions, kind of get the pulse of where some of the leaders are in the church. And like, yeah, absolutely, that's a great idea. And so it just, we had, we had not one single bump in the road. Maybe a couple of different parents that were maybe not sure about it. Um, and, you, of course, you know, I think one of the things happens when, and of course, then I asked him, he prayed, he came on staff. And so I felt at that point to be extra careful not to show any favoritism or partiality toward him. And probably he got the worst end of the deal on that because, you know, you know, just really making sure that we crossed every uh, T and dotted every I so it didn't seem like I was giving him more liberty than I should have because he was my son. So we were extra careful about that, and we communicated a lot about that. You served together, if I heard you right, 11 years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, Jared, from your vantage point, were there things you were particularly mindful to do or not to do so as not to appear to be the beneficiary of favoritism? Yeah, as he said, we talked about that uh, early on, and then we talked about that pretty consistently and just making sure that, man, man, for me, one of the things I wanted to make sure that I did was that I I did my job and so that I was on on top of it as far as in student ministry, especially, you know, parent meetings, budget, communication, uh, relationally, just making sure that I'm dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's just to make sure that there's not any pushback. And so I think what happened over time is, and you talk about preachers and preaching, I, you know, my mind goes to my first sermon series as a student pastor. I still remember I preached verse by verse through First John. That was, that was the first thing I did. And so jumping in, preaching the Bible, discipling students, loving them, building relationships with parents. My goal was to, to serve and to, to pastor and a shepherd and to preach and to teach and to disciple in such a way that I didn't cause problems or conflict for, for him, that there wasn't a bunch of disgruntled parents or, or, or upset students going to the pastor and complaining about X, Y, or Z. And so that for me was kind of on the forefront of, of, of my mind was let's, let's make his role as lead pastor as easy as possible. I don't want to compound to that. I want to be a blessing and not a hindrance or distraction. And so then you look back after having served 11 years, what would you say is a primary takeaway or two? Man, there's so many lessons that I learned uh, during my time serving on staff with him. I think, uh, man, one of the things that he would often say when I think about preaching, and, and I'll move to just personal, but preaching, he would always say, you know, if you want to get your sermon done, you got to put your bottom in a chair and stay there. Mm. And he talked about, you know, a lot of guys that they, they struggle to, to craft a sermon just because they're running here and there and they're just not focused on studying the text and working on the sermon. And so if you want to be faithful in ministry and preach biblical sermons, it requires work, which means don't get caught up and distracted by all these side things that can take your mind and your heart away from the word. Stay put, write that sermon, be disciplined, have your sermon prep hours. And then outside of that, do the other other elements of pastoral ministry that are required. So that, as far as preaching goes, was huge. And then the, the character thing I mentioned earlier, but character in ministry, you know, the, the primary qualification in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, most of those qualifications relate to the character of the pastor. The ability to teach outside of that is focusing on heart and character. And so I learned the importance of that from watching him before I became a pastor and then up close seeing him 
love Jesus, lead well, pray with staff, and just be a godly man. And so that that was huge. And I, I feel blessed that a lot of guys growing up, you know, they kind of know what their dad does. You know, he, he works at a car shop or, you know, they have some idea he's a lawyer, but what does he actually do? I don't know that they could give you a, a day-by-day analysis, but but working on staff with him, being close to him, I could give you a day-by-day analysis of what his week looks like. Here's what he's working on. And so there's a sweetness to that of knowing what his ministry looked like, who he was meeting with, the types of things that he was doing that I would not have had otherwise had I not been serving on staff with him. So just to pull this together with one final question, clear to me you guys have a strong relationship. Clear to me that ministry together has even strengthened that. And I'm sure there were challenges along the way, but 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 you look back with fondness on that season. What would you say is key to just having a healthy father and son in ministry relationship to where that's enduring and warm and affectionate and confidence in one another? I mean, I think that the uh, time you spend together intentionally, just carving out some time to hang out, shoot basketball, you know, take a trip together, you know, and then when he gets married, his wife and my wife hanging out, doing things, coming over. I mean, even as adults come over, let's have a movie night, you know, let's, let's uh, go out and do something in the yard. Let's, let's just spend time together in the communication, that constant communication. Even so, if you're irritated about something, you can talk about, Hey, listen, man, you can't do that. That's not going to work. And then he's always respectful. Like, well, I didn't think about that. You know, they respect. So there wasn't that that uh, Jared's uh, temperament and attitude is never that pushback of rebellion since he got saved. Now, before, <laughs> you know, but so that, yeah. that, that understanding that I'm the senior pastor, I got to answer for what we're doing on staff and then his submission to that and just of spending time together and just genuinely loving and affirming and caring and then a confidence and trust. Of course, there comes a time when it's not father, son, and then you come to that just pretty much peer that becomes a friendship relationship. And so our relationship was a friendship relationship because I remember when he was a kid, I just, in basketball, for example, I just wear him out, man. And then he's about 16 years old. He's on a wearing me out, you know. So that shift there and also that shift from father-son to more of a peer thing, more of a, hey, now I'm asking him questions like, hey, what would you do about this? What do you think about this? What about this theologically? So kind of that role reversal. And it's been in all through those seasons, that changing and shaping and forming your relationship because you change. He changes, I change. And you keep up with the changes that are going on and continue to have that relationship. Jared, final word. Yeah, that, that was great. I don't, I don't know what, what more to add to that. And I think everything he said there is helpful. And yeah, by, by the grace of God, I want to have a humble and teachable spirit. And so I'm grateful for those years of ministry to learn from him, to serve alongside him. And it will always be a special season in my life. Well, guys, thank you for joining me in the studio today on Preaching and Preachers. May the Lord Richard bless you, your families, your ministries, and all he's entrusted to you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.